All right, I'm ready. Are y'all ready? Here we go. We're back in the book of Proverbs. I think this officially is, we're getting close to the midway, chapter 15. And uh, as we have said in the past, the last uh, four or five chapters, it's, it's now at that point where there are all kinds of subjects. It kind of bounces around, but we try and pick up some of the main areas from each of the chapters and focus on those. So um, we're going to talk about a good attitude. Smile at me. Have a good attitude about talking about a good attitude. It is a choice. Yeah, it is a choice. Father, bless you. Thank you, Lord, that your word brings life and light and encouragement and strength to us. And I thank you, Lord, that even in this Old Testament book of Proverbs, Lord, that we can glean wisdom, wisdom that comes from your throne, from your hand, and your wisdom. And I'll ask, Lord, that that wisdom that comes from you would be endued from on high upon us, Lord. And we would have insight, revelation, and the ability to apply this to our life. Lord, your word helps us in our life. And I ask you, Lord, that this would be able to be applied to our life in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Help me, Lord, to say and speak the things that you place upon my heart. Thank you, Father. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Attitude. Um, actually, it's interesting because it is a form of emotion. Um, our attitude is based on a lot of things, actually. But it is the emotions that we show, and we're, we develop those emotions uh, over a period of time. And in this chapter, uh, it's interesting because... Um, it talks about several areas, and I think a lot of those areas affect and determine our attitude. And two people, and I see this all the time, two people can go through exactly the same circumstances and respond totally different. One person is ready to give up, throw in the towel, I can't handle it anymore, I'm going to give up. The other person is cheerful, excited, God is good, uh, can't wait to see how God is going to solve this situation, how God is going to get them through this particular situation. And so identical circumstances, and yet the difference is their attitude. And in a lot of ways, attitude is determined by what I, I think we would call perspective. The perspective we have in life and then there are some things that determine that perspective, and that's what we want to look at. So what we're going to do is we're going to read through the entire chapter, uh, all of chapter 15, and then we're going to go back and we're going to look at what I see as the things in there that he is trying to help us to develop uh, a great attitude. And, and, and I will say that above and beyond what we read in Proverbs, it is Jesus that gives us a good attitude. 
because he is the one that gives us hope and peace and joy. And we have a relationship with our Heavenly Father through Jesus that they didn't have. Solomon didn't have it. David didn't have it. None of those in the Old Testament had the kind of relationship that we have available. So we even have greater ability and capacity to have an excellent attitude. So we're going to look at what the Scripture says. First of all, let's go through the whole chapter, then we're going to back up, and we're going to look at the things that determine an attitude. A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. A tongue of the wise makes knowledge appealing, but the mouth of the fool belches out foolishness. A lot of wisdom there. has got to be. The Lord is watching everywhere, keeping his eye both on both the good and the evil. Gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Only a fool despises a parent's discipline. Whoever learns from correction is wise. There's treasure in the house of the godly, but the earnings of the wicked bring trouble. The lips of the wise give good advice. The heart of a fool has none to give. Interesting. The Lord detests the sacrifice of the wicked, but he delights in the prayers of the upright. The Lord detests the way of the wicked, but he loves those who pursue godliness. Whoever abandons the right path will be severely disciplined. Whoever hates correction will die. Even death and destruction hold no secrets from the Lord. How much more does he know the human heart? Mockers hate to be corrected, so they stay away from the wise. Interesting. You want to know why people avoid you? (laughs) A glad heart makes a happy face. A broken heart crushes the spirit. A wise person is hungry for knowledge, while the fool feeds on trash. That would be the TV. For the despondent every day brings trouble. I love this verse 15. For the despondent every day brings trouble, but... For the happy heart, life is a continual feast. Better to have a little with fear of the Lord than to have a great treasure in inner turmoil. A bowl of vegetables with someone you love is better than steak with someone you hate. Isn't that right? So a brownie with pecans with somebody you love is better than a steak with someone who hates your guts. You could rephrase that in a lot of different ways. A hot-tempered person starts fights. A cool-tempered person stops them. A lazy person is blocked with briars, but the path of the upright is an open highway. Always something in the way for a lazy person. But for the path of the upright, it's an open highway. Sensible children bring joy to their father. Foolish children despise their mother. Interesting. Foolishness brings joy to those with no sense. A sensible person stays on the right path. Plans go wrong for a lack of advice, and many advisors bring success. Everyone enjoys a fitting reply. It's wonderful to say the right thing at the right time. The path of life leads upward for the wise. They leave the grave behind. The Lord tears the house tears down the house of the proud, but he protects the property of widows. 
The Lord detests evil plans, but he delights in pure words. Greed brings grief to the whole family, but those who hate bribes will live. The heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking. The mouth of the wicked just overflows with evil words. Bottom line, keep your mouth shut. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. A cheerful look brings joy to the heart. Good news makes for good health. If you listen to constructive criticism, you'll be at home among the wise. If you reject discipline, you only harm yourself. But if you listen to correction, you grow in understanding. Fear of the Lord teaches wisdom. Humility precedes honor. If you'll notice, the fear of the Lord is a constant repeat throughout the book of Proverbs. We've seen this several times, and we'll see it more times. Fear of the Lord brings wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So it emphasizes the fear of the Lord. What we want to talk about tonight is we're going to look at some of the verses and talk about attitude and really uh, what determines attitude. Before we get into this and before I begin to ask some of these questions, I just want to ask you, what do you think is the primary determining factor of your attitude? Anybody? Have any thoughts on that? What do you think, Ben? What you think about. Okay, I think that. John? Your belief system? Okay, I think that's probably accurate too. Uh, Your belief system uh, will determine your attitude to a great degree. That's true. Anybody else? Any thoughts on what, what determines attitude? Yes, Ruby? Okay, the kind of relationship we have with the Lord, I agree with that. If you have a bad relationship with the Lord, you're going to have a bad attitude. There's no doubt about it because your perspective will be tainted. Yeah, I agree. Anybody else? I'm sorry? Yeah, I agree. I see a hand way up there. Yeah. (laughs) Say that one more time. Okay. Yeah, I think our actions uh, will have a great deal to do with our attitude. Yeah, I agree with that. Let's look at some. Yes, I'm sorry, Penny. Okay, kind of goes back to what Ben said, what we think about, and ties in really to what our belief system is, you know, what we're thinking, what what we believe. Um, Let's look at uh, really the very first thing I see here, and that is, Uh, choosing soft words, soft words. Look at that first verse. A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. And then you see the same thing in in verse 4. Gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. And then uh, verse 28 The heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking. The mouth of the wicked overflows with evil words. How many of you have said some things and then later regretted you saying what you said? 
And so if there's if if we could just get a reverse in our mouth, it, it's only got four speeds forward, you know, and it goes a little faster each time, but there's no reverse to our words. There's no way you can back up and undo those words. So the wisdom here, and that is be careful before you speak. And here, it's interesting because it uses the word a soft answer or a gentle answer. And a good attitude, and we several people mentioned it, it has to do with what we're thinking and what we're saying or even our actions. But a lot of times, being able to speak gentle or soft words will bring peace to a situation and our attitude can be good but not only our our attitude but our words and the way we say things can diffuse a situation or it can ignite a situation uh you know i'm thinking just about just the whole idea of peace um so if we're going to choose to speak soft words then you've got to not seek confrontation, but seek peace. A couple of verses that talk about peace. Uh, Romans fourteen nineteen says, and the New King James says, Therefore let us pursue the things that make for peace and the things by which one may edify one another. In other words, you are pursuing something in your life, and he's saying pursue the things that make for peace. Um, and someone may say, well, you know, aren't there sometimes that, uh, I guess you could call it confrontation is necessary. Well, I think there are some times that you have to correct a situation, especially if you're in a position of authority for your, your kids. Uh, you can't just let your kids do whatever they want to do. You've got to confront those situations, and you can't look for peace in the home if your kids are stealing and robbing and getting into trouble. You need to confront what's going on. So there obviously are times that you have to step in. But I think he's talking about in the body of Christ. He's talking about in the church. He's talking amongst the brethren. Pursue peace. Uh, Don't look for confrontation. Pursue the things that are going to build and edify the body of Christ and pursue peace. Another one would be 1 Corinthians 14.33. God is not a God of disorder but of peace. And as in all the meetings of God's people. So he's kind of ref- referencing the, the meetings, the church, and God's meeting together. And he's saying he's not a God of disorder, but he's a God of peace. Ephesians 4.3, very similar. He says, make every effort to keep yourself united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. And then 1 Thessalonians 5.13, show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work, and live peaceably with each other. He was talking about leadership there in that particular context. So the whole idea is that um, if if we're going to learn how to give soft answers, y'all have had arguments with your wife before, or husband? Has anybody ever here had, a, had an argument? with your wife or your husband. Has that ever happened? Starting to say I may be in the wrong place. All these holy people here. Uh, So, okay, you're in the middle of an argument. 
and it started over just about nothing. And both of you are trying to convince the other one that you are right and that they are wrong. And what happens is that soon you're not really interested in what they have to say. All you're interested in is what you have to say. And what's, what's amazing is that our ears will become almost deafened to what they're saying. And they may be saying something right. They may be even making sense. But pride takes over. And we stop using soft words. <laughs> and then all of a sudden now, what happened? That whole confrontation, it ramps up. And it ramps up and it ramps up. And the Holy Spirit wants us to be able to learn how, number one, to avoid those situations. But when they do happen, and they do happen, to be able to give soft answers. Don't look for the answer. You know, uh, just, just sometimes just realizing that things do not have to go our way. Smile at me and say that out loud with me. Realize life does not have to go our way. Now, I'd like you to say that one more time and smile as you say that. Okay, realize, here we go. Men, I know this is hard. Okay, ready? Realize that life does not have to go our way. And it's really true. Our way is not necessarily the best way, but somehow we clue in into our brain that we think we have the best way and that our way is the best way. And so, therefore, we set about an our task to convince everyone else to do it our way uh, and that if they think that their way is the best way and you think your way is the best way, you've got problems. And really, you think, well, think about marriage in itself. Marriage is two people who have learned to go their way and do their own thing, and now you put them together. And now two people who are used to doing their thing their way have to learn how to mesh and mold and bend and determine it doesn't have to be my way. And if we want to have soft words, and soft words will help us, to have a better attitude. And, you know, it, it can affect so many areas of our life. Just calming down. And, and, I, and I said this early on, you know, just having a perspective. And, you know, I asked my wife uh, when I was preparing today and we were going through this, and I said, sweetheart, what do you think determines attitude? And her first response was gratefulness. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. You know, I will have to say, you know, my mom had the greatest influence in my life concerning a good attitude. And my mom was legally deaf and legally blind all of her life from the time she was the littlest girl. She had retinitis pigmentosis, which is, means you kind of see through a little tiny, tiny, tiny hole, and even that is very, very dim. And she was legally deaf, 
raised five kids. And my mom did not think she was, she had a problem. She was the most cheerful, wonderful attitude person in the entire world. One of the, one of the most treasured things near the last uh, years of her life, she was in a nursing home and uh, I would, I would go see her in the nursing home and, and one of my joys of going to the nursing home is that I would start down her hallway and I could always tell my mom was awake because if my mom was awake, she was singing at the top of her voice. Now, she couldn't sing worth anything. She couldn't hold a tune or anything, but she was singing as loud as she can in her bed. And in fact, they had to roll her roommate out sometimes because they were so upset at her. But she was singing, what a friend we have in Jesus and trusting in Jesus and God is so good. And she was singing every hymn she could think of. Uh, and when I would talk to her, that was not an act. She truly believed that her life was blessed and that she was supremely loved by God and God was taking care of her. And yet she had so many things that we would think were a disadvantage. But she didn't see it that way. And it's perspective. You know, you can think, and you just think about finances. The worst finance, the person in this room that has the worst financial situation of anyone else, you are still better off than 98% of the people in the world. That's true. Our standard of living at poverty, what we call poverty, is 200% above the world standard. And so it's just the perspective. And so, so many times we, we lose perspective. And not just finances, but in everything. If we would just be grateful, I want to tell you, we would be able to give soft answers. And we would be able to diffuse situations rather than always having confrontations going on. So one of the prayers that I have tonight is that God would give us a better perspective. A perspective of saying, Lord, you have been so good to me. Now, are there some things going on in your life that are not right or not good? Sure. And you could probably hand me a list of about ten things you would like to have happen. But guess what? He is still good. He is still good. Forget all of those circumstances that you wish you could change. You still have Jesus. You have eternal life. You have a heavenly Father who loves you. You have eternal life in heaven with your heavenly Father. You can get and, and have the presence of the Lord every day, every moment, and come into His presence and worship Him. You can study and come to know who he is and he loves you and cares for you you know without all of those other conditions and things you wish would happen forgetting all of those just counting your blessings as far as the spiritual relationship we have with our heavenly father we are truly blessed we are supremely blessed and so sometimes we just need to focus on those things 
and not on the ten things we wished God would do or the ten things that we wish would happen or I wish this person would do this and I wish that person would stop doing that and I wish I could get this and I wish I could have that. Sometimes stop focusing on those things and focus on how God has blessed you and it'll change your perspective and then it'll help us speak softer words because it's those harsh words that, I don't know what I, I call it, gives you worms in your stomach. You know, you just churn on the inside. Whenever you have those harsh words with someone, you have an argument with your wife or mad at each other, you say things, you just get this churning worms in your stomach. And you just want to make it right. It's kind of like our relationship with the Lord. When we walk away from the Lord and do something wrong, then our relationship is still the same, but our fellowship has been broken. And that's that same feeling. Oh, I need to get that. I need to get that fellowship restored. And we can avoid a lot of that stomach turning stuff if we will learn to give soft answers. Second thing I see here in Proverbs 15, and that is a teachable heart gives us a good attitude. It's interesting. Actually, quite a few verses in Proverbs 15 talk about uh, correct, being correctable, teachable. Uh, let's look at them. 15.5, only a fool despises a parent's discipline. Whoever learns from correction is wise. Verse 10 Whoever abandons the right path will be severely disciplined. Whoever hates correction will die. Verse 12, mockers hate to be corrected, so they stay away from the wise. That's why they avoid you. 15:14, a wise person is hungry for knowledge, while the fools feed on trash. And, and I was joking a minute ago about TV, but, you know, I think the idea is if you have a wrong heart, you, you're, you're looking in listening for the wrong thing. You like gossip about someone, which is trash, more than you like the truth. What do we want to listen to? You know, we should not like gossip. And when someone starts to speak evil of someone else and, and cut down someone else and complain about someone, our first response would be, I'm sorry, I'm not going to listen to that. Uh, I, I don't really have time for that. You know, I, I'm going to think on things that are pure and lovely and a good report, and I don't really want to fill my heart and my mind with that kind of stuff. And then verse 31 and 32 of chapter 15 says, and two verses together, it says, if you listen to constructive criticism, you will be at home among the wise. But if you reject discipline, you only harm yourself but if you listen to correction, you grow in understanding. So, great question. What is the greatest hindrance to a teachable heart? Teachable heart will help us to have a good attitude, which I think it really will. What is our greatest hindrance to a teachable heart? Yes, Jenny? Pride. Be a little more specific. And, you know, pride is a, it's a pretty big, broad area. And I have, I have, I'm going to agree with you that I think pride is the number one issue when it comes to unwillingness 
to be teachable, but be a little more specific. Anybody? Yes, Donald? Ah, there we go. That That's getting a little more specific. I am right all the time. Yeah, yeah. And, and if, if you think you're right all the time, then you really don't have time or interest in listening to anybody about anything. Yeah, that's exactly right. What, 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 anybody ever had this problem? Yesterday. How'd you get yourself out of it? Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to get into it again, huh? Yeah. A teachable heart, a correctable heart. You know, and this is where the power of the Holy Spirit, we should have a great advantage over the Old Testament saints. The Holy Spirit, when we get in one of those discussions and we say we're looking at it two different ways, Whatever it is, the Holy Spirit is that gentle voice that whispers in our ear, slow down, keep your mouth shut, don't go there, don't say that, you don't need to say that, you don't have to, you don't have to go there, but sometimes we just kind of ramrod right through all those gentle voices, the Holy Spirit trying to pull back the reins, and sometimes we're just kind of chomping at the bit, get out of my way, I'm going to be right here, kind of like Donald says, I believe I'm right, and I'm going to go on, and we push through. And that's one of the reasons Jesus gave us the Comforter, the Spirit of Truth, the Holy Spirit. And, you know, we have to have a heart, a desire to say, Holy Spirit, teach me, to have blinders on my eyes and reins on my lips and a teachable heart that yields to the Holy Spirit. Because if we will listen to the Holy Spirit, He will help us to get out of those situations. Y'all have been in those kind of confrontational discussions about something? Y'all have had those? Well, they're no fun. And you, in, you know, whether it's a husband and wife, whether it's two Christian friends, two guys, two ladies, it doesn't really matter. It's just so quick to go downhill. And I think there has to be this desire to say, Lord, give me a teachable heart. Give me a heart that will be teachable. And, and I agree with the general Hindrance is pride. And one of the attitudes that pride displays is, I think I'm right all the time. Any, any other thing, any other thinking that gets us into trouble? Yes. Lack of faith. Interesting. 
Yeah, and, and really just not trusting God in a situation, and we barge through there and think we have to do it. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yes. Penny or, yeah, Penny. <laughs> I've been doing it this way for a long time. Why in the world would I want to do it another way? You know, good, good. I mean, it's true what you say, but look at it another way. If things have to be done our way, we just made the decision to limit ourselves. Because here's the truth. Truth is, other people have other perspectives and other ideas that are just as good as ours, and sometimes, oh mercy, better. It's true. Yes, Barry? Yeah, Philippians 2. Yeah, a blessing in return. Yeah, exactly. Mike? Unfortunately, you're right. And, and again, I think we limit ourselves. You know, it's interesting. We started out, and, you know, when Vicki and I started the church 38 years ago, we really had no idea what we were doing. It's true. We had no idea what we were doing. Uh, I had served as assistant pastor uh, in two churches, but, you know, as far as being a pastor and starting a church, I had no clue what I was doing. And so um, for so many years, I refused to talk to my wife about the message before I preached it because I was, a, and, and my thinking was this way, and I told her this. I said, I don't want you to uh, hinder or taint what the Holy Spirit might say to me. Well, I just want to tell you that was a bunch of baloney. I started doing 100% better when God showed me that was a prideful attitude to say that I couldn't learn from my wife. And so, and I don't know the revelation that came to me or whether you just hit me over the head with a frying pan. I'm not sure what happened, but... Anyway, we just started talking uh, about the message, and I was bouncing over uh, with her, and we'd talk about it, and we'd go back and forth, and and it didn't take long for I realized it was great to get the perspective of somebody else who's looking at it from a whole different perspective, and gave me ability to say something or leave something out, add something. You know, it was just, it was a blessing. And so I think that whole mentality of our way, it has to be our way, and I've been doing it this way for 10 years or 20 years, and 
Why would I do it any other way? Well, the obvious answer to that is because it may be better another way. And here's the great thing about the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that is the message never changes, but the method and the presentation is always changing. Holy Spirit is always giving us a fresh new way of presenting age-old truths so that we can understand it. And, and, I, and I realized a long time ago that I'm as much an explainer of the gospel as I am a proclaimer of the gospel. Because if we don't understand it, what good is it? And if we don't understand what it's saying and how that applies to our life, then what good is it? You know, it's kind of like algebra. You know, you've got a formula, but if you, you know, I never have figured out how algebra has helped my life. I just want to tell you that. I I, I passed and I, I got through, but I want to tell you, I have never, and I told my math teacher, I said, I will never use algebra in my whole life. And I was right. But he said, you probably are right. You probably will never use it. He said, but it will make you think. And you will always need to learn to have the ability to reason and think. And he was right there. That's true. I still hate algebra. Uh, But still, the greatest hindrance to a teachable heart is pride and the wrong thinking. And we started out saying it is our belief system our thinking, what we think about, what we say that will determine our attitude. And here, if we will have a teachable heart, it will help us to have a good attitude. Third thing, this is a real simple thing that I see here, but I I think it's important, I think it's true, and that is a cheerful countenance gives us a good attitude. Everybody smile at me. Come on, give me your best smile. You know, it's interesting. Some people smile more naturally, and some people, as their normal course of their life, just look like they've just eaten pickles. I mean, it's just just the way they look. And and I and I have met a few people, and and I constantly, when I first met them, I thought they're really mad at me. You know, they're just are they mean, angry people, and then I. As you get to know them, they're really not mean or angry or mad at you. They just have this sour look. But I want to tell you, the Scripture tells us that our countenance matters. Look at a couple of verses that are found here in Proverbs 15. Verse 13, a glad heart makes a happy face. I like that. A broken heart crushes the spirit. Verse 30. A cheerful look brings joy to the heart. And good news makes for good health. And then look at 1515. It says, for the despondent, every day brings trouble. For the happy heart, life is a continual feast. Doesn't that sound great? I love that. Let me read to you. I, I brought my Amplified Bible. I want to read to you, uh, fifteen fifteen. It says, "All the days of the desponding afflicted are made evil by anxious thoughts and foreboding." This is a little different than 
then you, you want to go ahead and put 1515 up there in the amplified chuck and what I'm reading it seems to have a it must be a different uh, uh, different than my amplified a little different it says all the days of the desponding afflicted are made uh, evil by anxious thoughts and foreboding but he who has a glad heart has a continual feast regardless of circumstances I love it regardless of our circumstance life is fun. Life is a continual feast. But the key to that is learning to have a joyful countenance. And sometimes you've got to just look at yourself in the mirror and say, you know, I'm going to have a countenance that and you're not doing it as much for yourself as you are for other people too. You can bless other people by just having a smile on your face. And also it improves you too. My wife told me the other day, she said she was, she was not feeling real good and kind of mad about something. And she said, she told her, herself, you know, I'm going to start smiling. And she said, I started smiling, forced myself to smile, and I felt better, better about the situation. It's amazing what our countenance will do. Uh, I want you to go back to the Old Testament, look at Numbers chapter 6. This is the Aaronic blessing in uh, Numbers 6, 25 and 26. It says, may the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. I love that. And the idea is that God would smile on us, that his countenance would be upon us, that it was his countenance would be favorable or God would smile on you. You know, it's 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 the idea that God is pleased with you and He's smiling, and we want to have that countenance in our life that reflects His grace and His mercy. And you know, if we have Jesus in our life, we really got a lot to smile about. If we have Jesus in our heart, and we have salvation and forgiveness of sin, we have a great deal to smile about. As a matter of fact, if you would smile, some people suspect something. Right? Kind of like the cat that ate the canary. You go around smiling. They kind of look at you like, okay, what'd you do? What's about to happen? What's going on? What's this? What's, I don't understand. You're smiling. Especially if you go up north. Oh, my goodness. You, you go up north. New York, uh, anywhere, Chicago, anywhere in the north, and you just walk along the sidewalk smiling, I want to tell you, they'll lock you up. Well, they won't lock you up, but they'll suspect you of doing something terrible. Uh, you know, down here, you know, a smile, wave at people that you don't even know because it's just different down here in the south. But in the north, everybody suspects. And... You know, I love living in the South where we can smile without being suspected of being a murderer. But it is important. If you want to have a good attitude and you want to make a, a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ and let your light so shine before men, part of that light is your countenance. And your countenance should reflect joy in your heart, and we have a lot to be joyful about. Don't let the countenance on your face reflect your circumstances. 
Because your circumstances come, they go, they get bad, they get good, they go all over the place. Don't let the countenance reflect your circumstances. Let your countenance reflect your relationship with Jesus. If you'll do that, your life will be better. And it's like it says here, a continual feast. I like that. Continual feast. And the last thing I want to say, or I see this here in Proverbs 15, and that is, Number four, and that is speaking life-giving words gives us a good attitude. Look at a couple of verses. Verse two, first of all, it says, The tongue of the wise makes knowledge appealing. That's a good teacher there. Tongue of the wise makes knowledge appealing. But the mouth of a fool belches out foolishness. Proverbs 15, 7. The lips of the wise give good advice. The heart of a fool has none to give. And then verse 23, everyone loves a fitting reply. It is wonderful to say the right thing at the right time. I want to tell you, if you want to have a great attitude, look at yourself as a person that has an opportunity to speak a due word in due season to everybody you meet. Speak life-giving words to everybody you meet. And if you don't feel good, if you're upset about things, if life is not doing real well, your job is not doing real well, don't focus on that. But see every person you meet as a person that you can touch and you can change. And you can, and I was telling my staff this morning at staff meeting, and that is we need to see everybody as a person we can sow seeds into. To sow seeds, something good, something a blessing. Sow some seeds of encouragement into their life. And you never know how those seeds are going to come up. Now, you may not see the harvest of the seeds you sow. That's just the reality of it. But it doesn't matter if If the harvest comes somewhere else or someone else receives the harvest, great. The kingdom of God is increased, and that's really all that matters. So make a determination, and this comes again with a good perspective, a good heart attitude, a sense of gratefulness, and that is, Lord, I want to speak life-giving words. Now, the opposite of that would be gossip, slander, maliciousness. Those are, those are words that want to tear people down. But life-giving words that it's talking about here are words that build people up. And we can see the good in people. We can see the bad in people. Pray about the bad and encourage them for the good. Speak words of life. How many of you have ever been guilty of speaking negative words to people? Let me see your hand. Okay, let's flip that around now. How many of you have been the recipient of negative words? Yeah. It happens. And when it happens, you want to smack them upside the head. That's not what you're supposed to do. You don't want to retort, like Brother Barry said, we don't give insult for insult. 
But we flip it around. We want to give a blessing. We want to bless them. And if they speak harshly or they speak uh, negative things, we want to speak a blessing. Turn that thing around. Life-giving words. And parents, oh my goodness, your children, they need life-giving words. They need encouragement. They need to hear that you love them, that you care about them, that you believe in them, uh, that, that God has a plan for their life. Speak that into their life. Uh, it, it just so irritates me sometimes when parents, they have these high standards and they, they want their kids to obtain these high standards and, and they, they think they're going to berate them and criticize them into being who they want them to be. And I want to tell you, not a single person has ever become who they want, need to be through criticism and being berated. It doesn't happen that way. But we build people up, we encourage them, we pray for them. And if they're not doing what we want them to do, we speak blessing to them. I believe you're going to do better. I believe you're going to do better. And that, and that, that's a good attitude on our part, but it will help a good attitude on their part. How many of you are going to have a better attitude? How many of you are going to work at smiling more? You're counting us. Okay, I'm, I'm going to check your smile. Let me get down here. Okay, give me your best smile. Best smile. Uh, no pickles yet. Pretty good. Not bad. Here we go. Some of them kind of bland, but most of them are doing pretty good here. Here we go. If you're not used to it, it's kind of hard. Really. But God can help us. And, you know, and just because your smile doesn't mean your life is perfect, you know. But I've already come to the conclusion, life doesn't have to be perfect for us to smile. It's true. When you smile, you're not saying, my life is perfect, my family is perfect, my marriage is perfect. You're not saying that. You're just simply saying, the joy of the Lord is my strength. It's all about Him, not about us. Stand to your feet. Thank you, Lord. Just raise your hands. Pray with me tonight. Father, I thank you in the name of the Lord Jesus. We lift up our hands to you and we bless the name of the Lord. I thank you, Father, that you are working in us to give us a good countenance, to be able to have a good attitude. And Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit that you have placed in us because of Jesus, that that same Holy Spirit is teaching us, Lord, how to apply your ways in our life, in everyday life. And Lord, I pray that our perspective would be one that sees good and speaks life-giving words to other people. Lord, help us not to have a critical tongue. And Lord, help us to have a, a, a kind, merciful attitude, a teachable attitude to others. Help us, O oh Lord, in everything that we do. And, and Lord, we bless you. Thank you, Lord. Even when we mess it up, Lord, I thank you that you love us and you, you keep working with us. We bless the name of the Lord. Thank you, Father. We are under construction, and I thank you for that, Lord. As you continue to work in us, helping us, Lord, to be who you've called us to be, 
And we bless the name of the Lord tonight. Thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. In Jesus' name.